Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information about our center, or if you wish to make a donation, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. It's fun to be in the room. It's fun to be in the room and hear that music. Uh, That music got us through uh, quarantine where there would be three of us in the room and people... It was so wonderful. And then LaVon and yay, she'd come from Olympia. It's so grateful. I want to talk about forgiveness, not joy. In fact, I'm going to get you really, really, really depressed before you get there. I noticed the first service just got... It was good. It was good good later. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sort of like, oh, yay. (laughs) I feel so much better after that root canal. (laughs) After... Uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that I used to talk about once a year, maybe twice a year. And, and, and the truth of it is, it's something I try to practice all the time, the way that I'm going to talk about forgiveness. I try to practice it all the time. It is, it's my go-to spiritual practice besides chanting. I do pers- my own church personal chanting. Uh, but I need to provide an, uh, a definition for what I am talking about with forgiveness. And everybody's going, everybody's going to have a version. And and if you know my version, what, what my definition is, my why, then it'll be easier to understand the rest of, this, the, rest of the story. So I, my, my personal definition of forgiveness is that it restores the experience of harmony within ourselves and others. Harmony is the natural order of things, and... That comes from Judge Thomas Stewart. She left. Oh my God! I was going to go. Judge Thomas Stewart. Yes, and I think it's Edinburgh. And I think it's Edinburgh lectures where he says, "The first law of the universe must be order. And out of order comes balance. And out of balance comes harmony. Out of harmony comes beauty. So when we're in balance, we get to live a beautiful life." And I was really inspired to have this as my mission statement for my life: is to bring harmony to. To, air, to the world. I mean, I mean, that sounds outrageous. But, you know, Edwin Gaines took on uh, the end of poverty on the world. I mean, I'm not, I just want to do my part, you know. It's like, I know that I'm not going to do it, but what am I about? What, what's my mission is to bring harmony to the earth, to people, to reality, to, to facilitate that, to be a catalyst for that. I want to give, define harmony now. Besides the combination of simultaneous musical notes in a chord, which mean nothing to me, but I know when it's not harmonious. How many of you have always? How many of you have ever heard a group and go, "Well, well, that's not harmony." <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know it when I sa- when I hear it. It's not harmony. But this is also some other uh, uh, definitions of harmony is is to um, have congruence. Agreement, accord, tranquility. Ooh, man, tranquility and unity. Unity being an aspect of God. So when we're not tranquil, we're not harmonious. And, and that's, that's, that's hell. And harmony is heaven. Harmony, having harmony within ourselves, harmony is heaven. So perhaps when we are to bring heaven to earth, that's from um, Revelations, 
bringing heaven to earth, making earth heavenly, maybe we're restoring harmony. The first law. See, I think that things are pretty harmonious until human beings become involved. The earth, was, earth knows how to care for itself, readjust itself. Our opinions of each other get in the way of us getting along. No child was born racist. No child was born prejudiced. No child was born to believe that they weren't okay. But it happens because human beings got involved. Oh, see, I see you're already getting depressed. <laughs> yes. You're such an advanced group. It took quite a bit longer to get first service <laughs> depressed. Or maybe they were just more prayed up. I don't know. <laughs> see, what I want is to be pulled towards harmony. Like, how can we harmonize things? Because a lot of people say that they want peace, but what they really want is for people to just be nice and shut up. We call it peace when there is no physical conflict and yet people are in their bunkers seething. That's not peace and, and that's not harmony. We lose our sense of harmony and tranquility for one reason, according to Rabbi uh, Rami Shapiro. He says that all lack of harmony, all lack of peacefulness on the earth comes from one thing, and that's conflict. When we are conflicted, whether these groups are at conflict or we're in conflict within ourselves, conflict destroys harmony, destroys tranquility, destroys our ability to have agreement and, and, and accord. Conflict is really, really, really simple. <laughs> it's not very complex. Conflict happens when you know how things should be and they aren't. Conflict is when you had a plan and that didn't turn out. Conflict is when you know how people should be and they won't do it. From the smallest to the biggest, to the biggest issue, the smallest issue being um, the child that you are with, whether it's your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew or the neighbor that you decided to take to the grocery store has a fit in the aisle, that kind of conflict, or the kind of conflict that we see on news all, all the time, Conflict destroys our sense of harmony. Now remember, I'm gonna ha it'll get better because I said forgiveness restores harmony, but let's just talk about how this is. See, when we have had our, the conflict show up and our harmony, our sense of equilibrium, our sense of tranquility disrupted, this leads to doubt and distrust and withdrawal and playing small and grudges living in the past and blaming others for everything that's going wrong and creating villains. Now we need to understand something. For all those people that we have said have done it to us, 
And how many of you know that you have at least one person close to you that you're in conflict with? You can raise your hand, and even if you're sitting with them, they won't know it's you. <laughs> okay, great. We have to understand, unless we are in the presence of sociopaths and psychopaths, and there aren't that many of them, no matter what anybody says, everyone is doing the very best they could at the time with what they knew. I want to read this from Rabbi Shapiro. I think people are fairly simple. We want to be happy and do things that can be a little stupid to make us happy. Most of these things don't work and leave us with, leave us with messes to clean up. Sometimes we act like adults and clean up the messes. Most of the time we act like kids and leave them for someone else to clean up. But rarely do we set out to make a mess. We set out to be happy, and it is the quest for happiness that makes a mess. Emma might say it this way, Emma Curtis Hopkins might say it, that everyone's seeking their good, but they don't know that their good is their God. So they try to get their good instead of allowing God to deliver them into their goodness. I want to explore this um, I wanted to explore this, but first I'll tell you a little bit of a story so that we can kind of see how this evolves. I, I, was, I don't know when I was. I was probably in my 20s, late 20s, early 30s when I kind of woke up to the fact that my mom wasn't a very good mother. doing the best she could, but wasn't a really good mother. It actually took me some counseling to get, oh, wow, really? They're not supposed to... I mean, really? And because of that, when I finally woke up to that, I started to have a grudge against her. And that grudge got in the way of a lot of things. And I can understand why Jesus would say, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because when she started to know better, which was when I was out of high school, she started to do better. I actually asked her once, Mom, why are you this way with Lisa, Nancy, and Ruth, and you were never that way with me? And she says, well, I, I was, I, I, I'm so wanting to make up for the way I was. So she was a better mother. So I want to talk to this about mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, looking at this whole thing of conflict. Mentally, I can understand she was doing the best she could. You know, mentally, I can kind of get there. But it was, did not heal me. Does that make sense? There was no healing there. I'll talk about the healing later. We can all look at things and intellectually understand that they were just unskilled. But it doesn't really heal the wound. Does it make sense? 
Well, the same thing's going on in our own head, unfortunately, because a lot of the conflict isn't with others, it's in our own head, especially people on a spiritual path. It, I mean, there are some things that we do that can really tear us apart. I mean, we, we start to become awake and we start to know how we could be and we want to do our best and we don't. And that can be a real conflict, which leads me to the emotional level, which is then we feel bad about ourselves. I mean, this whole emotional level is such a weird place to wander into. What a swamp. Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah, try that. And love everything and, and everyone. Sure. And other stuff that we can't do in the moment, therefore we judge ourselves because now we're woke enough to understand we're not doing it. It was better to not be awake. And I've heard things like, when you're on the path, you can't get off. Why not? <laughs> and so, maybe like Linda's friend, fellow practitioner at one time, they, we go to the path, the path, to try, to try, to try, to try, because we're trying. What a cycle. What a cycle. I mean, how many of you have noticed that Feelings have a mind of their own. Out of nowhere, you're gr grumpy. Don't give me no joy song when I'm grumpy. <laughs> Jeez. And as just ordinary, ordinary spiritual people who are on a spiritual path, we hear about love and peace and goodwill, and you know what? We noticed at the end of the day, we weren't there much. And instead, we may have experienced disdain, worry, and a need for approval. And a need to be right. I want to give you a little aside here. A study was done on college students, and I, I love it that it's always college students because the professors are doing the studies so they can get the grants, blah, 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 blah. So, they, you know, college students are the best guinea pigs. So a study was done, and what they found is most people don't mind making mistakes or failing. They just hate it if anybody noticed. <laughs> so we want to appear right. This is really ripe territory for the mind to jump in and berate some aspect of ourself that isn't where it should be. We're not loving enough. I mean, so do you see how it's kind of a cycle? We think, which is, and we think about how we're doing things wrong and we're not doing it right, which can make us depressed, and then we notice the depression and how that then goes like this. And it feeds upon itself. <sighs> And we work on ourselves, or we don't. We work on ourselves, or we eat, drink, drug, shop, Netflix. That's my favorite one right now. 
to avoid noticing what's going on. So let's take the spiritual. Let's talk about that. This is when we call in the big guns. Because remember I said forgiveness is a way, a catalyst to restore harmony. And harmony is, is the antidote to conflict, whether it's with someone else or with yourself, inside yourself. To harmonize thoughts and feelings, we need to reestablish that harmony. And, and um, that harmony is actually an aspect of yourself that is God within you. So we're actually not trying to make anything happen. Instead, we're calling it forth. We're calling it forth. See, I don't know how to not worry. I'm sorry, I don't. But I'm sure I could put together some nice platitudes, write a book, and it would sell. I also don't know how to not criticize. There are times the, critics, the criticism will just show up. It's like, whoa, no, 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 no. Shh. I thought you'd gone someplace else. And I think the reason that I can still criticize is because I'm really very, very good at it. I, don't ha- I do not know how to not doubt, and I don't know how to not fear. They show up, and part of me is like amazed that they're still going on. I have two core beliefs that have been my best friends since I think I incarnated. And um, there are times when I'm doing my spiritual practice, and they don't show up, and I think, (laughs) they're gone. And then if I'm not doing my spiritual practice, they show up. It's like, here we are again. We love you. So, how do I then do something? First of all, I need to give up the expectation that I should or could change myself at depth. I cannot change myself at depth. I can change a habit that might help me shift the way I act, but it's hard I don't know how to change myself at depth. But I can fall, call forth that true self, that divine self, that eternal self, that ever, anything you want to call it, and Artemis and I will call it the Christ within. And ask to be freed from that thing that seems to be plaguing me, the conflict that makes the thoughts or the emotions show up. So let's go back to my mama. In my late 30s, maybe even 40, we were still in the little um, building in Northgate that we owned before we went to Sandpoint. Who was there? Anyone? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little side story. They had just thrown this building together, like literally just thrown it together. And because they were going to do something big later. Well, that wasn't happening. Years later, nothing big was happening. And so they threw up this building, and the ceilings were eight feet. Eight feet. Eight feet. Jeffrey remembers. And they had to have a platform so that the speaker could be seen at the end of the, the hall, which was longer than this. So guess what? Out of the three candidates, all of them good, all of them my friends, I was the shortest. (laughs) 
I looked better on the stage than the guy whose head was just... <laughs> so thank you. It's the only time I've ever really been grateful for being this short. Now, moving on. It was very hard for me every single Mother's Day to do a Mother's Day talk. I kind of did it by rote. I was just, I'd go numb. I'd, I just did a talk. But it was, I hated those days. They were the only service I hated to do because I had to talk about someone that I thought had damaged me. And so, how many of you can bilocate in your head? Like, like I was listening first service to LaVon sing about joy and having a totally different thought going on, even though I was singing along. Well, I was bilocating at this Mother's Day service because I was doing the talk, and at the same time, Another part of me, just as equally real as the one giving the talk, was viewing my mother in a totally different way and actually realizing, I mean, things about her life appeared to me that I didn't even know, I, I, I could not have known, and later on showed up as being true. It was revealed to me that what she had done and how she had been gotten pregnant, my dad had married her, left her almost, I mean, while I was still a toddler, but she was, you know, now not a bad woman, except she was the first divorcee in our family, the first divorcee in our town, raising a single child, not trained to do anything. I remember now not having a refrigerator or a stove in the little apartment we had. All of the stuff that she was going through, and I, and I remember having a conversation with God while another part of me is giving a talk. And saying, wow, I would have been depressed too. I would have holed up in my room too, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Who would have, how would I have gotten through this? Here's something that's weird that happened. The conflict disappeared. And the wound healed. Which was about time, actually. They say you can only blame your parents until you're 35, and then you've got to get over it. <laughs> I was well into my 40s, so... It was, it was an amazing experience. See, that's what spirit can do. I, I, you know, I had done the praise you and raise you. You know, they say, say in the Bible to forgive 70 times 7, and some people actually do 70 times 7, and then another 70 times 7, and another 70 times 7. That's a lot of forgiveness. And yet, what it really means is continually. So what I'm trying to do when I say it's my practice is I continually take those things that I don't know how to handle and I say, there's so much. Personally, interpersonally, in the world, but something does. Something does. Always has, always will. So forgiveness to me is now the willingness to not try so hard. 
the willingness to step out of the way more quickly. And the willingness to be humble and say, wow, I did the best I could and look at that mess. And I don't even know how to clean it up. So I'd love for you to do that through me. And something happens. Rumi has a, a line that I think applies to this right now. And Rumi said, dissolver of sugar, dissolve thou me, little me. Dissolve all the little meanness, meanness. I mean mindness. And Hafiz has a poem that I forgot to bring with me, and, but I'll give you the gist of it. And he says, oh, the beloved, oh, the beloved, my friend. In my sleep, he's come and taken from me my bad habits and my bad thoughts. Because what you'll find is, remember I said you can't control those thoughts? They start to show up. When I'm doing my practice, I'm much less, I don't criticize. I'm like shocked when I do in my head. I'm shocked when I think these things. Because something dissolves those things. We're either living always from the outside and, re- and, and being influenced by stimulus or we're living from the inside and stimulating. We're either being influenced by who we think we should be or we are living as who we are. And that's the essence of the center of spiritual living. That's what we do. That's what we teach. Now take a moment and ask yourself, what is the conflict that you are dealing with? What is the thing that's out, shouldn't be? Whether in your head or outside, ask yourself. Now if you choose, ask yourself, are you willing to be humble and step out of the way? And just, we can all bilocate and just see that part of yourself. Love that part of yourself that's been working at it and trying. How many of you really want to take that aspect that wants to work on yourself and send it on vacation? I mean, really? I mean, I'm so afraid that people leave this center because we're the church where you work on yourself. You know, you got a job and a part-time job, and then you come to church and work on yourself. So what if there wasn't work? What if there was always recognition, always turning over, always being conscious, but letting the dissolver of sugar to dissolve the conflicts and the thoughts and the emotions that take away our sense of harmony so that we may be the place where heaven shows up, where we may be the place where God in all of its infinite beauty and wonder shows up. What if we are the place where spirit is revealed? Ask yourself that if you're willing to turn it over. And if you are, just do that. Father, Mother, God within, I'm at a loss. I give up my need to control this. And I give in to your love. And so it is.